0: Good evening, everybody, and appreciate you being out on this midweek study time, midweek service. We are looking at a few lessons on religious error, religious error, and I want to remind us a little bit um, from last week, uh, when we look at religious error, we are endeavoring to help. First of all, to make sure that, um, that we are growing in knowledge of God's Word, but then part of growing in the knowledge of God is to uh, stand up for what the Lord has brought to us uh, in the Bible, but mainly it is to help one another, uh, help one another learn, help one another grow and be able to see clearly um, what the Lord would have us to see. And so we'll be focusing on another part of religious error uh, this evening. Before we get to that, let's bow together in prayer. Holy Father, as we approach your throne, thank you, Father. Thank you for allowing us to pray. Thank you for the opportunity to pray through Jesus, our Savior. Holy Father, we're mindful of your greatness and your goodness uh, toward us. Holy Father, we are are grateful that we have the opportunity of salvation in Christ and we're thankful that we can live out your will on on this earth in our limited time. Help us, Father, to seek your will and help us to focus on wanting to be with you in heaven most of all. Bless all our families, Father, that, that are here as members of families we know of. and Help our moms and dads, help our Grandmas and grandpas, and help us all, Father, to to set the example before our children that needs to be. Help us to help our little ones to know uh, your word. Help us, Father, to instill in them a desire uh, to be spiritual, uh, to uh, lift up uh, themselves unto you, to seek you, Father. We pray that they may have this desire. Gracious Lord, we're thankful for the church. We're thankful for the great plan of salvation through Jesus. We recognize, Father, that we we sin. And as sinners, that separates us from you. But through Christ and his death and blood and his resurrection, we can find forgiveness. We can find hope. And we can find uh, the path to heaven up above. Lord, we are mindful of your your love that has made all this possible, and we thank you so much. Father, we know of your power, and that's another reason that we pray. Father, as always, there are those about us, those in our hearts that are not feeling well. There are many, Father, that are grieving or hurting. There are some who simply don't feel well. Father, we ask your blessing upon them. Lord, we pray now as we go through class that we will be able to glean some things that will inspire us to study more and inspire us to share your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the religious error that we're going to discuss this evening is called, uh, for lack of another a better word, universalism. Okay, and we're going to look at universalism, and it's real easy to grasp this. We're going to notice the different forms that this comes in, and then we're going to notice Bible responses to this error, and then notice some. Um, Arguments uh, used to try to um, to try to teach uh, universalism. So uh, we will just move through uh, together in this in this manner. Universalism is simply the the belief that everybody is okay with God. The belief that everybody is going to heaven the belief that in the end, ultimately, everybody who's ever lived will be ultimately and completely and finally uh, saved. Okay. Now, you say that sounds like fantasy to me. It sounds like no one could ever really believe in this, but everything the Bible says is clear. And we taught last week how that, that some um, are, um, are offended uh, by the simple teaching of water baptism. And, it, and it's astounding how clear the scripture is on that and yet um, how uh, some seem to just um, misunderstand.
1: <clears throat>
0: and so let's notice the different forms of universalism and um, this will help us understand where people are and how we can help. Okay. So it, it comes um, in these forms. Uh, Universalism comes in the form of an answer. Okay, an answer. An answer to the problem of unity. Okay. Some people look at the idea of everyone will ultimately, ultimately be saved And they say, well, this is the only solution there is to the different conflicting religious faiths and beliefs uh, in the world. And so some look to it as an answer, or the only answer that there is uh, to the conflicting faith, conflicting beliefs uh, in the world. And they strongly adhere to it. They even... um, Say that uh, you've got to evaluate everything in light of unity uh, with other people, that no matter uh, what someone says or even what God says, uh, you've got to evaluate what you are hearing and ask the question, can men agree to this? Can people agree to this? And if people cannot agree to it, then it's got to be discarded, even if it's what God uh, says. And so some look to the idea, well, everybody's just going to be saved, and that's how you create unity. Just teach that, and everybody be unified uh, together. Okay. So that's one form uh, that it that it comes in. The idea there in that unity idea um, is you just keep your mind focused on a general belief in God, and you just you just remain silent about. Controversial matters. You just, remain, you just ignore or remain silent about things that might divide uh, other people. Okay. So that's one form of it. Another form is the idea of equality. Equality. Okay. That universalism would be the answer to equality. And Equality, what we mean here is that all religions are the same. The belief that all religions are the same. And that all religions basically serve the same God. And this same God has brought all religions to us on earth. And he endorses all religions on earth. The belief, uh, this belief uh, goes on to say that over the years there have been different um, people who have come to earth. Uh, prophets, teachers, uh, messiahs or claims to be messiahs um spiritual advisors um, spiritual experts and all these are variations or, or maybe even incarnations of of God himself okay and that this just this is just a way of God appearing and making him, himself known in different forms and different times in places so whether you're thinking about Christ or or Moses, or John the Baptist, or if you're thinking about Muhammad, or Buddha, or ISIS, or Confucius, or whoever it might be, they all are just variations of the big true God who who has made himself known at these various times in these various ways. Now this is not true, of course, but this is how this is spelled out um, in our world. And so all of these spiritual advisors who have come through and lived on this earth are simply agents. All of them are agents of God, they say. They are fall under the same system of the big general God. And that their own, you might say, they look at it as God having this big staff, a coaching staff. But all these spiritual advisors and teachers and prophets who have come through are all on God's staff. And... and um, they're all just variations of his message. Some of the movements who have come along in, in this regard have gone so far to say that one spiritual advisor will come on the scene and, and when he gains popularity, then what he teaches is valid for that time. And then when another comes along, then what he teaches is valid for his time and place. And then another comes along and he's valid, his, his ways are valid and or wherever he's at and whatever time and place that he is in and it goes on from that. They, they would contend, those who are proponents of this, um, they would contend that it would be wrong to say there is one exclusive Messiah, one exclusive teacher and prophet, just like, and they would use this illustration about food. They, they, would, they say that uh, when a baby comes into the world, the baby's primary appetite his primary his or her primary food is milk okay but you would not expect a grown man or a grown woman to have the diet of of milk all during their lives they would need a variety and so it is they say in religion that you start out with one but you're going to need a variety in order to truly be grown up uh, in the lord okay so um Universalism comes in the form of, uh, as an answer to unity and also as an answer uh, to equality, but it also comes in the form of an umbrella, an umbrella under Jesus. We're more familiar with this in our area, where a, a, an association with Jesus, a, um, an appreciation of Jesus and his goodness uh, if you have that then you are considered a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ and whatever church you happen to go to is just the same as any other church that has an appreciation uh, for Jesus and um, we're more familiar with this. We used to go to the nursing home uh, once a month and we would uh, go ask people in all the rooms if you want to come to our worship service and Many times they would ask, well, what church are you with? And we'd say, we, we're with Midway Church of Christ. And they'll say, yeah, I'd be glad to go. You know, I'm a Methodist or I'm, I'm a Baptist. And, and, uh, but we serve the same Lord and we're all going to the same place. Okay. And so uh, that would be an example of this, this universalism under the umbrella of an association with Jesus. And then even more modern is this fourth form of universalism and that is self-made religion. Self-made religion. Today, self-made religion comes from believing that um, there is no real truth. It comes from believing there is no true gospel uh, for everyone. That truth is how you feel about things. This is this is really modern today. Truth is how you feel about things. Therefore, everybody carves their own way to God. Everybody creates their own path to God. Okay. And so that's another form of, of universalism. Okay. And so these are the different forms. There may be others, other ways to say, of saying this, but these are the different forms that we see uh, this come in. I think as we go through these forms you can see that universalism uh, is dominant in many people's uh, thoughts uh, today. Okay. Well, what about um, Bible responses uh, to this? Okay. So let's get down to some of the nitty-gritty here. Uh, when they say that um, universalism is a response to, uh, or is an answer to unity, what should we say in that regard? Well, we remember, if we want to turn over to John 17, uh, 20 and 21, that Jesus talked about unity and didn't just talk about it, but he prayed about unity. And what did he base uh, unity upon as he prayed? Well, looking at John 17 in his prayer, verses uh, 20 and 21, notice how he prayed. He had been praying for... The apostles. Now he switches here in verse 20, John 17:20, and he's going to be praying for a wider audience. John 17:20, neither for these only do I pray, Jesus said, but for all, but for them also that believe on me through their word. Jesus was passing his words, his messages on to the apostles. And so he prayed for them and those who would come after them and believe on him through the words of the apostles. Now notice verse 21. That they all may be one, even as thou, Father, are in me, and I am in you. They also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou hast uh, didst send me. Okay. So notice that Jesus is, is establishing unity based upon the words, the words that he he comes to the earth with, the words that he is going to be implanting and that he did implant in the apostles, and now we have those words uh, in the New Testament. Specifically, in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul, by the inspiration of Jesus, laid down a specific platform uh, for unity. Among these... You remember in Ephesians 4 verse 4 there is one body and one spirit even as you're called even called in one hope. So one body being the church, one spirit being the Holy Spirit of God, even as you're called in one hope. One hope will be up uh, heaven. That's where we all want to go. Okay. And then Ephesians 4 verse 5 one Lord Jesus one faith, one baptism, and then one God and Father of all. This unity is totally possible because the Lord has given us his instructions in his word. And yes, Jesus did say on a number of occasions that his word would cause separation between people. So there wasn't, he never expected that there would be total unity among people okay. he even speaks in Matthew 10 34 and 35 36 and 37 he says even among family members some will follow Christ some will not okay. and they'll be at variance against each other okay. not necessarily fighting but di- absolutely disagreeing and going separate ways okay. but Jesus would be the only way to go Now, as far as um, equality, you know, this idea that all religions are are the same, all religions are the same, and that God has sent all these gurus and prophets and and teachers on the earth throughout history, and they all have been working uh, for God. Well, that's simply not true because from the Old Testament into the New Testament, everything has been pointing to Jesus. Even when sin uh, came into the world in the first place, Genesis uh, 3, God God said uh, to the serpent, uh, he said that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And from that point onward, uh, everything has pointed to Christ. Uh, Whether you're thinking about uh, the Passover lamb, that pointed to Jesus taking away the sins of the world, dying For us, you're talking about the serpent in the wilderness that was raised on the pole. Well, Jesus, that pointed to Jesus being raised and put on uh, the cross. If you're talking about messianic, messiah uh, prophecies, whether from the Psalms or, or Isaiah and Jeremiah and other places, these all pointed to Jesus. Okay, and that's why Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2, for example. He said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Okay. Now turn your Bibles to John 3 right quick, if you don't mind. Look quickly to John 3 toward the end of the chapter, verse 36. Notice this carefully. John 3:36. He that believeth on the Son has eternal life, but he that obeys not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so everything is always pointed uh, to Christ. And so uh, this is some of the biblical response that we need to, uh, to share. Now turn from there if you don't mind To um, Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And look with me to verses 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1, uh, 6 through 9. Paul says, I marvel that you are so quickly removed from him that called you in the grace of God in the grace of Christ unto a different gospel which is not another gospel only there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Jesus but though we or an angel from heaven should preach unto you any gospel other than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed now what's going to happen to the man or angel who comes along and preaches a different gospel than what Paul is preaching what's going to happen going to be a curse. It's going to be a curse. Now turn to 2 John right quick. 2 John, all the way over. 1 John, these are the little Johns. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Look at 2 John verse 9. Remember John writing, Whosoever goes onward and abides not in the doctrine of Christ. The teaching of Christ has not God, but he that abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So, what must one do to have God? What, was, what must one do to have God? You got to abide in the teaching of Christ. Okay. And so this is some of the biblical response that we need to think about. Let's think about what was said about universalism coming out in the form of uh, self-made religion, how that, that people today uh, believe that they can create their own truth, that, that truth, instead of truth being found in Scripture, that truth is just how you feel about things. Okay. Well, is there any biblical response to that? What do you think? All right. What you got in mind with Matthew 7 21?
1: Not everyone that Lord, Lord, he doeth. Alright. He no. doeth the will of my Father,
0: which is heaven. Right. Not everyone, Jesus said, who um, says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall so enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father, okay. which points to a certain truth. Okay? Very good. Do you remember that at the end of the book of Judges in the Old Testament, Judges 21-25, that it says, In those days there was no king of Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay. That's what you get when you believe that there's no such thing as, as one true gospel. Okay. Everybody just... You know, in addition to that, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse 40, or 33 or 40. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 and 40. One of those or both says that God is not the author of confusion. Okay. And so this self-made religion, believing there's no such thing as truth, not, doesn't come from God. It, of course, it comes from man. And then one other biblical response. Okay. And of course, this is very obvious. Okay. Universalism says that no one will ever be lost, but what does the Bible say? If universalism says no one will ever be lost, what is that is that what the Bible says?
1: None righteous,
0: no not one. There's none righteous, no not one? Romans 3, 9 and 10. Yeah, uh, Aaron referring to Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Narrow uh, is the gate. Straightened uh, is the way that leads to life. But then broad is the way. Wide is the gate that leads to uh, destruction. Okay. Jesus used the the real word for, for hell, Gehenna, several times. Um, for example, in Matthew 18, verses 8 and 9. He talked about how that, in a figurative way, of course, he said, if your hand or your foot offends you, cut it off and cast it from you, it'd be better to enter into a life maimed, that is, into eternal life maimed, than to have both arms and both feet and be cast into the hell of fire. Okay, And we could just run up a bunch of passages uh, like that, but we all understand that. That over and over the Bible says, not just in Jesus' time, but, but Jesus led Peter and he led Paul uh, to teach that those who do not follow his way will eventually uh, lose their soul. Okay, there you go. That's that's in that's a good one in Mark 16, 16 that Sam referring to. He that believes not uh, will be condemned. Okay. 2
1: Thessalonians 1, 7 through
0: 9. Yeah. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 speaks of the judgment day. And those that know not God and those that obey not uh, the gospel, uh, God will render vengeance upon them. And they will uh, face eternal destruction of fire. Away from the presence of the Lord. Right. And then
1: Hebrews three warns us as Christians as well, if we neglect our salvation. Hebrews uh, three. In
0: Hebrews three. Hebrews two, verse three.
1: Yeah, there you
0: go. Hebrews two, verse three, yeah. warns us not to neglect our salvation. Okay.
1: Okay. Are to have
0: the so Brother Paul is bringing out Jeremiah 10:23, way of man is not in himself, in response to how that many wants to say, well, you just carve out your own path uh, to God. And that's just certainly not how it is uh, in reality. All right. Now, let's move from there and think about some of the arguments that are made in favor of uh, this broad ideal of uh, universalism. Arguments made. The first argument that we're going to think about is it goes like this God is so good. And he is too good. He's so good and too good to allow anyone not to be saved. Therefore, everybody will be saved ultimately. Okay. So how would you handle that with your knowledge of Scripture?
1: Okay.
0: Brother Larry's referring to Luke 16 and the, the occasion when the rich man died. And he had ample opportunity to serve uh, the Lord and even help those around him, but he didn't. And so he lifted up his eyes and he was in torments okay, uh, when he died. All right. Which teaches us that just a few seconds after we die, we will know which direction we're going for all eternity. It's appointed unto man once to die. Okay. The greatest truth taught in scripture is that we're going to die. It's the greatest truth. It's the greatest motivator. It is where we're all headed. We are preparing for that day. Okay. Unless the Lord comes back before our demise, we are getting ready uh, to die. Okay?
1: Sodom and Gomorrah. And the book of Jude talks about those angels fail in the and Sodom and Gomorrah. We all fall from grace.
0: Okay. Might make in reference to what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. So, um, in reference to how that if God is so good that he would never punish, well, that's an example. Luke 16, the rich man going into torments is an example. Sodom and Gomorrah is an example. Okay. So listen to what Brother Paul's bringing out there. He mentions here Genesis 18.25 where Abraham said, Shall not the judge of all the earth, referring to God, shall he not do right? And so what we're asking uh, to, to do here, what our response must be is to make sure we have the full picture of God. He is certainly good, okay? but he's also just, and he is perfect in every quality. He's good, he's loving, he's merciful, he's holy, he's just, and he's perfect in each of these qualities, okay? If we just hang out in his goodness, then we are not getting the proper picture of God, you see? We're creating, we are forging an image of God that's simply not there. We're almost creating an idol, okay? Okay? Because we are forming, if we're, just, if we're just focusing on the goodness of God, we are forming an image of God that's not true. Therefore, it's a false God. Okay. See, Romans eleven twenty two says, Paul says, Behold the goodness and severity of God. There's, there's, God is certainly good. He proves that at the cross. He's proven that by giving us what we have, providing life as we have it but he's also severe to those who turn away from him. Okay. Romans
1: talks about the wrath of
0: God. Yes, that's a good one to read. You want to read that for us? Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against
1: all the unrighteousness of men who hold the truth
0: and There you go. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the unrighteousness of of man. There's the wrath of God as well as the love of God. That's a good one, Sam. Second Peter three nine. We're gonna come back to that one here in just a minute. What? Would you
1: think about what you see in the headlines today? And, uh, judges that we have now in many places letting criminals off with very light sentences and very little punishment. Would we put that in a category of a good judge? I don't
0: right. think
1: so. Right. And we really want a human reason that to say that's a good judge.
0: Right. And think about think about God in those terms. Would we? In his justice, he cannot deny sin. He can, he must punish sin, just like a good judge punishes those who violate the law. Okay. In Matthew
1: 25, talks about all nations will be gathered before Christ. Everybody that ever lived gathered before Christ. He's going to separate them as a shepherd, and separate them the sheep from the goats. If everybody's going to the same place, what's the separation?
0: Yeah, there's definitely a separation at at Judgment Day. Okay, just as Harry is referring to Luke 16 at death, you know, Lazarus there in Luke 16 found himself in Abraham's bosom. That's one way. He was a, he was a sheep. and then, uh, But the goat there was a rich man. Ultimately on Judgment Day, Matthew 25, 31 to 33, speaks of the separation of the sheep and goats. The Lord himself shall sit on, sit on his throne and make that separation. So, yes, God is good. God is good. In fact, how do we reconcile the goodness of God with the judgment of God? If someone just keeps saying to you, you know, I just can't see how God is good and also he judges. Okay. Well, one response would be, well, what about his son? What happened to God's own son? Why did God send his son? Why did God have his son crucified for us? Okay. Wasn't it because of our sin? Wasn't Christ taking the blow for our sins? Which opened up that provided for us a way not to have to um, receive punishment for sin? Yeah, so. which is one of the crosses, the cross, because ultimately we're all sinners. And God, as Sam brought out, he doesn't want any of us to perish, so he's proven that by sending Jesus to die for us. But ultimately, if we don't follow Christ, um, God will punish, because it, that's, that's, that's the nature of who he is. All sin come short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty All right, another uh, argument that's made uh, in favor of universalism is to say that God is sovereign and that what he wills to be done will be done. Okay. And going back to um, what Sam was talking about in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, he's not willing to any should perish. So some will say, well, uh, he does, it's his will that not any perish So therefore that's his sovereign will and then therefore everybody's going to be saved. A similar statement is found in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 where it says God will have all men to be saved. And so if it's his will, he has all authority, he has all power to make that happen. Therefore, who are we to stand in his way? Who are we to say anything opposite to that? So what would be your response to that? Keep beating. Alright. Alright, read, read. You can't just. The I don't
1: know if a good Right.
0: Right. And so. Aaron's saying there in 2 Peter 3, which most of the time when, when someone is trying to favor something that's not right and they're using the Bible to do that, usually the answer is right there where they're reading. Okay. And it's right there in Second Peter 3, 9 and 10. Aaron wisely pointing out the next verse says, you know, the day of the Lord is coming. Be ready for, for judgment day. But right there in, in verse 9 as well, God's opening up. God wants you to be saved, but, but part of his provision for salvation is that we repent. Okay. He's not willing that any should perish, verse 9 says in 2 Peter 3, but that all should come to repentance. Okay. Same idea in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, his ideal will is presented to us in the first part of the verse that he, he would have all men to be saved. But the means of that happening is given in the last part of the verse that they would come to the knowledge of, knowledge of the truth. If we come to the knowledge of the truth, the proper knowledge, then we'll respond to it, we'll repent, we'll obey, we'll submit, we'll surrender, we'll commit, and um, then we'll find uh, the way of salvation. Yes. And consequences. Yes. Yes. That is part of this response. Um that's good that Mike said that. The response to the sovereignty of God is that he loves us so much that he's going to respect our 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 free moral will. He he he'll respect our freedom of choice. And so, um, we can earn destruction for ourselves, or we can simply submit uh, to His will. Okay.
1: All
0: right, good good passage to consider as well. Responding to the to the Lord, okay. God makes it available, and um, uh, I'm reminded of Isaiah 12 3. If you it's a good verse to go to bed with tonight. Um, it talks about the um the wells of salvation. The wells of salvation. Isaiah 12, verse 3. And uh, but we have to drink of it. You lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. We have to we have to drink of those those wells of salvation. Those those wells of salvation, Isaiah 12, 3, it was prophesied that these things were coming through Jesus and they're here, but we must, we must follow the path of salvation, work out our own salvation. David Hebrews 10,
1: 26, it talks about sinning willfully, it talks about the old law, the new law, and then he sums it up in verses 30 and 31, where it says, We know him that hath said vengeance belonged with me, I will recommend said. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yes. It gives us every opportunity we have under the old law and
0: under even a better law now to do what it means. Okay. So mark that verse as well. Hebrews 10, 29 through 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living, of the living God. Okay. And then uh, this next argument about other sheep is, um, it's from John 10, 16, where Jesus said, other sheep I have. And people uh, have jumped on that and said, you see, Jesus has other people other than what he talks about in Scripture. He has other people. And that, that could very well refer to um, everybody else who doesn't pay, pay attention to the Bible. Uh, that they are part of the sheep fold of God. As well, okay. But look right there at John 10:16 and see what you see. How can you, by just looking at that verse, how would you respond to using this as a as a means of teaching universalism? Um, Jesus said in John 10:16, "Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them I also must bring, and they shall hear my voice." And they shall become one flock, one shepherd. That's Gentiles. That's us. That's Gentiles. That's us. Did you see something in that verse that that is key to understanding it? You're not wrong, of course, Mike. But let's think about this verse first. What does it say right in the middle of that verse? They shall do what? they shall hear my voice. There's no universal salvation here. Salvation is promised to those who hear the voice of Jesus. Or as Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, 4, who have the knowledge of the truth. So whether Jew or Gentile, whichever, if you hear the voice of Jesus, you'll become part of his fold, his flock, under that one, one shepherd. And Mike is right. If you, you can compare John 10, 16 with Ephesians 2, 16 and 17, where through the cross, those who were near God, those will be the Jews, and those who are far off, were made nigh by the blood of Jesus. So it's such a beautiful passage there in Ephesians 2, 13 through 17, talking about those who are near Okay which the gospel went to the Jews first, but also those who are far off, Gentiles, both are brought into the one body, the one flock, through the blood of Jesus.
1: I have to do little further in the chapter because he's speaking to the Pharisees, he's speaking to the Jews. I have some that are not of this folk.
0: Right, right. Yeah, contextually, he is talking to the Pharisees, Jews, and he's letting them know there's going to be another part uh, to the flock as well, Jews and Gentiles. Thank you so much uh, for working through some of these thoughts, some of these passages. And um, this hopefully will help us. There's a lot more to this study than what we've been able to, to get to. But help, hopefully this will prepare us. It is more dominant than what you might think that some just kind of throw up their hands because of the religious confusion in the world. They just throw up their hands and say, well, uh, everybody will just be saved. God is just that good. We need to be able to bring out the reality of, of the truth.